Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. It's great to see you today. My name is Mel Massing. I'm the lead pastor here at the Summit. Uh, you can do me a favor, be seated where you're at. If you're a guest with us today, uh, just know this is not normally how we uh, do our worship uh, as far as longer worship and we don't have a painter in every one of our uh, services. But uh, today, uh, the thing that is common is that uh, I love that this is a place that we can that we can experience the Spirit of God. That every time we come to church, we can see God work. And that's evidenced by changed lives. I'm so grateful. You saw just a few of them today. Uh, but we ended up, I think, with about 35 or 34 people baptized between the three worship experiences this weekend. And that is all because God is at work doing big things in people's lives. We serve a God that's still at work. Um, a couple of weeks ago on Easter Sunday, we started a series called I Am. And what we're doing is exploring the statements Jesus made in the book of John. He made seven statements about who he was. And we started on Easter Sunday with I Am the Way, the Truth, and the Life. And I really believe that our identity is only found in Christ's identity. Because of who he is, it determines who we are. That we think we're lots of things, but at the end of the day, everything we are is only because Jesus is. Jesus is, so I am. Because he is the way, the truth, and the life, that dictates who I am. It allows me to be something different than what the world says I am, or what my family says I am, or what your boss says you are. So it defines us differently. So we've just we've started looking at that, and today, uh, I want to encourage you, we're going to look at a, a passage from John chapter 11, and I want to encourage you, take a few minutes today and read it, uh, and so you can see this story, so you can get the context. We won't have time to really unpack the whole thing, but I just want to share this story with you. There was, there was uh, some siblings named Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, and you might recognize their names if you've been around church. These were people that were close to Jesus. They weren't part of his 12 disciples, but they were part of a bigger group of disciples. But it's clear because they were with him so often that they were special to him, that there was a special sense of intimacy he had with these three. In book of John chapter 11, we see that Jesus was with his 12. They were doing ministry. And Jesus received word that Lazarus was sick. And he wasn't just sick, but he was sick to the point of death. And I don't know about you, but if I heard somebody I was close to was on their deathbed, we would try to make arrangements to get there, to be alongside them, to, to comfort them, to say our goodbyes, whatever it might be. But Jesus waited. He said, no, we're not going yet. And in fact, he told his disciples, this isn't gonna end in death. And he said, this is ultimately gonna be for my glory. So a few days goes by and they get word that Lazarus had died. So they, they hear this and Jesus says, let's, let's go. So they, they go to where the family is and they arrive in, in ancient times, they would hire mourners to let the community know what had happened. So mourners would come and they would make noise and they literally would tear their clothing and they would wail and grieve with the family who was there. As a, as a public proclamation to the community, here's what we've suffered. Here's the loss that we've gone through. Here's, here's the death that's happened. So Jesus arrives on the scene and there's mourners and they're wailing and, and Martha, the oldest sister, she meets Jesus. 
and she has this interaction with him. And it's interesting because she says the same thing that Mary, the sister, her sister says just a few moments later in the book of uh, John in chapter 11. But they said this, they said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. I don't know about you, but there's been some moments in my life that I felt like God didn't show up in time. And that's essentially what she's saying. Jesus, if you'd have just been here earlier, we wouldn't be walking through this mess. We wouldn't be experiencing this pain. We wouldn't have had this loss if you'd have just showed up, but you didn't. And it kind of leaves this question unasked, where were you? Why didn't you come through? Why didn't you help me when I needed it the most? And we feel guilty thinking things like that sometimes. Well, let's be honest, don't we all have questions like that at times? God, why didn't you show up? Why didn't you heal my loved one? Why didn't you save our marriage? Why didn't you provide when I lost my job? Why, 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 where were you? And they make the statement, this kind of open-ended, unasked question. And Jesus responds to Martha, in verse 25, and Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. Now Jesus is making a statement here. He's making it very clear that that which was dead can be brought to life. And Martha, in her thinking, says, yes, 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 I know in the end times, I get it. We're all gonna rise, I get it, Lord but you should have been here. But she didn't understand who she was dealing with. She didn't understand who Jesus really was and what he could really do. She didn't understand who he was, so she didn't understand the authority that was at her disposal and at Jesus' disposal. She had a no idea who she was because she had no idea who Jesus was. So Jesus arrives on the scene People are crying and mourning. He sees Mary and she's mourning the loss of her brother. And, and this is a famous passage of scripture, Jesus weeps. See, Jesus already knows how the story is gonna end, but whew, he, he loves people so much. He knew that he was gonna raise Lazarus from the dead. He knew how the story would end, but yet he sees people in their hurt and in their mourning and in their loss and he sympathizes with them because that is the God we serve. And he weeps with them. He could have showed up and gone, hey, it's gonna be okay, I got this, but he didn't. What did he say? He mourned with them, he wept with them, he consoled them. Then he said, take me to where Lazarus is buried. And so they take him to the grave. And there's a stone in the way and Jesus commands them to roll the stone away. And Martha is very pragmatic. Remember Martha, Mary and Martha, Mary was worshiping at the feet of Jesus and Martha was the one doing the work and getting the house ready, right? That's Martha's personality, she's pragmatic. So Jesus says, roll the stone away and Martha goes, whoa, whoa, whoa. I think that's a bad idea, Lord. In fact, this is what she actually said. She said, Lord, by this time there will be an odor for he's been dead four days. She's saying, Lord, listen, I, I, whatever you're trying to do, I appreciate it, but..." There's no need. There's no need. You don't have to do anything for it. We're good. Okay, we're, we're fine. Don't worry. He's been dead four days. And this is significant for a couple of reasons. Number one, um, decomposition has already started. This, he was dead. He was stinky in the grave already. So that had already started. But then the other thing was there were, there were 
groups of Jewish believers who felt like uh, the, the soul of a, a deceased person would stay near the body for three days for the chance that the body could be reanimated, the soul would, would bring the body back to life. And so there was this, this thought that maybe after three days, someone could be raised, but after four, that soul's gone, it's all done. So there were people there, I truly believe, that felt like this is beyond hope. There is no way that anything good can come from this. And some of you are in a situation like that today. Your finances, you lost your job, you've drained your 401k, there's no hope. You're going, God, you, I wish you'd have showed up because now look at my situation. You're in a relationship, you're in a marriage, the man, it's falling apart, it's tearing apart at the seams. And you said, God, if you'd have just shown up, but now it's, we're almost beyond hope. You're in a job, you're struggling day after day, in your relationship with God, you feel like I've sinned too much, I've gone too far, I cannot be forgiven, it's beyond hope. Every one of us have hopeless situations in our lives that we deal with. And I want you to know our God is a God of hopeless situations. Our God is the God of desperate situations. Our God is the God of stage four cancer. Our God is the God of divorce attorneys. When you're ready to call the divorce attorney, guess what? Our God is bigger than that. Our God can show up. We serve a God of hopeless situations. See, Martha, I truly believe this. She was so focused on what Jesus didn't do that she couldn't see what Jesus could do. She said, Jesus, if you'd have just shown up, everything would have been okay. But what she didn't understand is she was seeking a miracle, but she didn't realize that the miracle maker was in her presence. She wanted God to do something for her, but she didn't realize that God was incarnate in Jesus Christ right there. And so many times we say, God, if you'll just work in my life, my life will be better. But what we don't realize is we don't just need a miracle, we need the miracle maker. See, Jesus isn't just the God that can bring resurrection. He's the God of resurrection. He is resurrection. He makes that claim. I am the resurrection and the life. So today you might have a situation in your life that feels like it's been dead and buried. You feel like you're hopeless. You feel like you don't have a future. You feel like there's not even any point in, in trying at this point. But I want you to know Jesus isn't through yet. Jesus isn't done with you yet. If you're not willing to give up, he's not willing to give up. See, I really believe that some of you feel like your time has passed. Maybe you had a dream for your life. Maybe God had called you into ministry when you were younger and you felt like, no, I'm too old. I can never do anything like that now. I think God's gonna resurrect some things in this house today. Some of you have broken relationships with family members. Some of you have brothers or sisters, or you got a son or daughter that you haven't spoken to in years, but there's animosity between you and you feel like this, this relationship is beyond hope. It's broken. There's no chance we're gonna be restored. I'm telling you today that God is in the process of restoring relationships in this house today. God is putting marriages back together. There are people here, there are couples here, I truly believe this, that you're ready to quit. You're ready to walk away from your marriage, but I'm telling you today, God is not through with you. If you're willing to fight, God's gonna fight for you. He's gonna restore some things. He's gonna put some pieces back together and he's gonna make things right. He's gonna resurrect that thing that you thought was dead. I truly believe. I truly believe that God knows the time, that Jesus knows the time of, for his greatest miracle is when things seem the most hopeless. So if you're here today and you feel hopeless, I've got good news for you. 
Jesus is ready to show up. He's ready to restore something. He's ready to resurrect something. And I truly believe today is your day. Today is your day. Maybe you've been seeking a miracle. I wanna encourage you, don't just seek a miracle. Seek the miracle maker. He's here today. He's ready to meet with you. He's ready to restore some things. He's ready to resurrect some things if you're willing to trust him. This is what's gonna happen. This team is gonna lead us in worship. We're gonna sing another song together as they do. Our prayer team is gonna come to the front of this room. They're gonna be on either side of the stage. If you're here today and you need prayer, maybe something that, that, that I spoke today pricked your heart and you feel like, man, I, oh, that's for me. Don't, don't just stand there, step out from your seat, find one of our prayer team members to pray with as we begin to worship together. This is what I'd like you to do while we're worshiping and, and going after God. I want you to reflect on what God has spoken to you so far today. Whether it's through the worship, maybe it's through what EJ has done and the painting, whether it's been my words, whether it's just been through seeing the baptisms and some of their testimonies. God is speaking loudly in this house today. So I want us to reflect, God, what are you saying to me? How would you have me live? What would you have me do? And let's reflect on that as we worship together. And then I'll come back in just a moment. But let's stand all over this room. Let's worship God together. Let's reflect on what God is speaking to us. And then let's respond to that in worship. Let's worship together right now. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.